episode 105 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about Pioneer Days. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about one of the best games you probably aren't playing. Pioneer Days is published by Tasty Minstrel Games, or TMG. During the episode, you'll hear us say they're out of business, but actually they've just temporarily suspended operations for a couple years. Not sure how that'll turn out. We could say that we planned this Pioneer game to correspond somehow with today's July 4th holiday here in America. And well, let's just pretend that we did. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about Pioneer Days. You know what my favorite brand of mixer was? Like when I was 10? Mixers when you were 10? Yeah. Well, it sounds like I'd rather talk about the other half of this story. But yeah, what's your favorite mixer when you were 10? It was a, it was a nice brand called Pioneer. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, Pioneer is a brand that makes musical stuff. And also we're recording a podcast about Pioneer Days. That I knew. And uh, that's the connection I was struggling to understand how it was being made. I, you know, there's a mixer in front of us. I had a Pioneer Mixer, Pioneer Days podcast. I just I just felt like that's wow, what we were going to do. A, this is a rocky start, and maybe that's appropriate for Pioneer Days, where a big focus of the game is avoiding the eventual catastrophes. Not like You're going to need some medicine and some wood. Yes. Now, let's have a more sensible intro. We're doing this as a review episode, but I could see doing a series of, like, the best game you're not playing. I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. I don't think it's especially popular now it's uh ranked 1421 overall on board game geek it should definitely be a top 1000 game ah and then strategy it's 739 and you know that's the thing i say about like our our collection when the overall when a game like this is close to 1500 overall it just shows how many good games there are and i'm not willing to keep 1500 games on hand The choices get difficult, but this Pioneer Days, I think, is really cemented into our collection. Sometimes you play games once. I was just watching uh, Board Game Ramblings talk about this. When you're watching games from reviewers and they've played a game one time, it's a little different how good is a game playing it once and how good is a game playing it 10 times. So they were kind of saying, well, we, the whole nature of what we're doing here, we're not playing things 10 times. We can't really give you that perspective. Uh, they need to be moving through more games. And I, one of the things I like about us playing through our whole collection and what has prompted some games to leave is like, you know, now that we've played this a bit more, it's only okay. Yeah, I mean, more than once I've had the thought, well, I don't want to play this next year, so maybe we get rid of it. Yeah. Pioneer Days, however, we played it today, opposite. Oh, very nice. It's a very nice game. As we played it more, it's kind of like, I think this is a really good game. And I think that's why maybe it's not higher ranked because it is maybe more common for people to play a game once, maybe twice, and they might not ever play it again, even if it's sitting in their collection in their house. You know, I think it has several characteristics of games that I tend to like. Mm -hmm. One of those characteristics is that at the end of the game, the materials for the game expire. Like, you know, you're done with the game because the cards are. Oh, okay. So let's talk a little bit about now. Usually we have a format. I haven't pulled it up yet, so I'll pull it up later and then we'll make sure we hit everything. But let's talk a little bit about how it's played. Oh, I'll I'll let you do that. You're, You're much better at it. It's two to four. Maybe it's two to five, but it's definitely there's no solo mode in this one. It's sort of like any kind of Oregon Trail game that you may have played before or thought of playing. It's in that theme, but I feel like it's executed better because, yeah, there are always gets dysentery. No, people. do die. Right. People do. You do have villagers to die. 
But the idea is that you kind of have this wagon. You have someone leading that wagon or kind of uh, steering that wagon. It's effectively you, but you have a, a variable player powers. So you can choose to have no variable player powers or have one. And you have your wagon and you are going to spend four weeks kind of on the trail. Every week, there's like five working days, I guess is how. Imagine I, the other two days, they're just resting. And on those five days is when you you are taking turns and you are drafting dice to take actions. And the dice that there's always one more dice than there are to draft and there are people playing. And that action you don't take will move tr these trackers up. It's a, there's four different tracks. Four different colors of die. And each one of those is a type of catastrophe that you will all collectively at the table have to suffer so you can prepare for those disasters by if it's a uh, the blue one's wagons and if the wagon track gets to the end that means that you have to have wood to repair your wagons after the storm and if you don't have wood then your wagon is permanently damaged which means you can just carry less in it there's a famine for your cattle if you can't pay i guess you're paying to heal them or something um, if you can't pay for them, then they die. They go away. There's medicine for your townsfolk. As you're um, going through the week, you have the option. One of your action options is to um, kind of bring townsfolk along with you. They have end of game scoring conditions. It's usually something per item that you have at the end of the game. But they'll also have some kind of during the game power, ability, something. And then there's also raids. And for raids, I think it's just another band of hooligans comes through and takes your money. Round it up. Half yeah. round it up. So for the things that you can put in your wagon, you have certain slots in your wagon. There you can get just different equipment. And all the different equipment have different abilities that help you in the game. Some of those things are triggered by you drafting certain die faces. So if you draft a certain die face, then let's say maybe you draft the cattle die face so you can take more cattle but you might have equipment that also gives you gold because you can also prospect for gold. So the more that we kind of get into, well, you can do this, you can do that. Like it all sounds like a whole lot, but what is one of the great things about this game where I say, maybe it's the best game you're not playing. The rule book is very clear and very simple. And even though we're kind of layering all of these things together, like all these different actions you can take, these catastrophes, there's people, there's prospecting for gold, there's managing your wagon, there's managing your cattle, there's managing your money. It sounds like a lot's going on, but it's so cohesive that it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like that much. Yeah, and I think there's, it presents a really nice tension. I think a lot of resource management games are hoping to create a tension where like you don't you want to do you always feel like you there's something that you want that you can't have and so you have to make kind of a sacrifice or a best educated guess on like what it is you ought to pursue which leads to i think several different victory paths which is another feature of games that i like yeah that gets even more divergent with your individual player powers like right. i said you don't have to use them but if you do it'll kind of push you in one direction there's a lot of them to pick from in the box and at the beginning of the game, you get dealt two. You pick one of the two you got dealt. I This time, I was Crow-Eyed Merle, and that let me spin two cattle at the beginning of every week, and I could just take one of the villagers or townspeople uh, along with me without, you know, without having to use an action to do so. And before I could purchase them. But you had, like, 
I don't remember what his I name was. I the name of my person, but I had like supercharged like elder storage. Yeah, and he he was an elder and a hoarder. Yeah. And he could just pack more into his wagon than anyone else, uh, which means that Aaron packed it full of gold. Not only could you, you might get uh, things for gold throughout the game. You could turn them in for different things. But at the end of the game, you get points for all of the gold nuggets displayed on your gold tokens. And you can also, because of the way the townspeople always have a scoring condition, you can look for townspeople that kind of align with the power that your person has. We said there's four colors of dice, and that's true. But there's also a fifth color that is black. Oh, yeah, the black die. So when you are drafting every, every single turn, you know, there's three dice out there. Aaron drafts one. I draft one. There's one left over. Whatever color is left over, that's the track of disaster that increases, that goes up one. I think there's maybe four spots. Yeah, f- famine. Well, I mean, there's raid. four. It goes oh, up yeah, four times before it strikes, before disaster strikes. Yeah, but the black dice, if it gets left, all of them every single track moves up. Which, which Kelly likes... To let every track move up. Now, that is not completely accurate. I am, we played um, Quacks of Quedlinburg the other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's another push your luck, which then ends up being kind of risk management game. Of course, with these calamities, you know are going to happen. There's a bit of risk management to say, well, if I, I could take this die to avoid that track moving up and then on the next round, like maybe it'll hit, maybe it won't, maybe I'll take that risk. In that, because I'm pretty good at risk management, if I throw more chaos at the game, I'm usually better at weathering it than the next person. And I think in our playthrough today, I should have thrown more chaos into the game because I was pretty well prepared. I wasn't spread pretty thin. And I think that's not that different than real life. If you kind of spread yourself thin and then something happens, you're less able to deal with it. You, It takes more of your resources. You take more of a hit. You might have to redirect what your goals are going to be as a result of that i was headlong on the gold rush and appreciated the times when you did not make more chaos yeah and you know i regret those times and that's all right so we're going to circle back a little bit to who the designers and makers of this game are and uh kind of a caveat about being able to get a copy it's designed by matthew dunston and chris marling and it was published by tasty minstrel games which isn't around anymore. And I kind of like... Which way did they go? Which way did they go? Just keep going. They aren't around anymore. They had what I think are really good games. So so sometimes I feel like it's more surprising. It wasn't like, oh yeah, they made nothing but stinkers. It's no wonder they weren't around anymore. And I wonder if it's like, were they not charging enough for the games or how good they were or something like that. And you know, just... It could be a thousand things as to why a publisher isn't around. And you might be able to find information specifically about them, what happened there. I don't think this is a very easy game to find. When I looked on BoardGameGeek often lists like a few people selling it in the BoardGameGeek store. They'll list like eBay. They might list other stores as well, kind of on the page there. So I didn't do a separate search on the internet for this, but it was listed around $70. Oh. I got our copy at Half Price Books for maybe 20 because it was just it was at the time this came out in 2017 i think i got this copy 2017 2018 maybe because we've had it for a while um it's actually a game i played with uh adam and my sister like at a thanksgiving maybe maybe 2018 possibly even 2017 so we happened to just i just happened upon it saw it bought it didn't think much of it but now that it's out of print you know people just don't get the opportunity to play it 
but it looks like since the value's gone up, that's a way of kind of showing that, no, this is something that people kind of want. And once they hold, have it, sort of hold on yeah, to. Absolutely. Like we're not, yeah. we're, not sell, we're not selling our copy. No, no, it's very much the opposite. So to win the game, it is just points. You're going for points, but you also get a little bit of points during the game. You can get uh, for every, at the end of every week, when you kind of like arrive in town, you can, you get one point for each of your cattle. Sometimes your townsfolk have some things about what happens when you get to town, depending on the ones that you've chosen. They're either immediate or they're at the end of the week or they're ongoing effects. Or end of game. I guess they always have the end of game scoring effect. Yeah, they always they all have the end of game scoring effect. You can also get during the game favors. One favor is worth two VP. It's not confusing at all. It's not confusing at all. Why couldn't one favor just be worth one VP? Or why couldn't you always get two favors? But anyways, that's the I think that's the most confusing part of the game. That's a little weird. And you can get those favors throughout the game. One of the main ways that you get them is that at the end of every week, you arrive in town. And when you arrive in town, there's a couple things that like the townspeople are looking for. And if you provide them by discarding them, then you get favors. And those favors are straight victory points. You don't really count them till the end of the game. It wouldn't really matter one way or the other. You don't really count them to the end of the game. The score track goes to 50, but then your token flips over for the next 50. So roughly like 100, and I think the best score that we've had, you maybe got like 79, high 70s. I, on average, get in the 60s every time. The You know, the different things the townspeople want that you use to buy the favor, there's a big deck, but you only use nine in a game. So there's a lot of variation possible there as well. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of different options for favors they could want. And it'll be things like it's any kind of resource you may have collected. So it's not like it's limited to just like a wood and medicine. It'll be combinations of different things like cattle, three coins and a medicine. When it, it posed, they posed some interesting decisions. Like early in this game, mm-hmm. you had the resources to get the favor, but the resources you would have had to give up were, I think it was equipment, which has like an ongoing effect. So you made the decision to not give up the ongoing effect because you thought it would get you more points than the favor. Yeah, but the, I also... So my special ability, my individual player power, was to be able to use the two cattle to get a card at the beginning of the week. Right. But I also had a different townsfolk that would let me use a cattle in repl- it to replace things that the town wanted. He was like a deal maker. Yeah, yeah. So they'd be like, we want a gold token. And he'd be like, how about this cow? And they'd be like, that's a deal. Um, so that also got me a good amount of favors and therefore vp tokens yeah so then sometimes the thing you're thinking is well okay this one cattle every if i never get rid of it every week it's going to give me one victory point it might with other townspeople mean something but if i get rid of it right now along with some other stuff then i can get like maybe six victory points something like that so then you're thinking is it worth the same point you're making is this equipment worth more to me to have throughout the game to give me the advantages it's going to give me or is it if it's never going to get me more than five VP in the whole game, I should get rid of it now right. and take six VP, seven VP. Yes. So that's uh, how you score a little bit during the game. And at the end of the game, all of the disasters happen one more time. All the tracks bump up once right. more. So depending on how you've managed it as a kind of semi co-op group throughout the game, in this game, we had none that hit at the very end, just the way that everything had gone. But you may have a game where 
every single disaster hits at the end of the game. Yeah. Maybe that's fine because, like, I had a lot of townspeople that at you the killed. end. Now, I did not kill them. They died. I think that it's unfortunate that the plague, you know, that it happened. I, I, they weren't exactly contributing much to the society we had. I had and I only had one guaranteed medicine. So I had a small but manageable town contingent of townsfolk who all made the successful journey. I think that's neat for your hoarder because you didn't have a lot of wagon space and could stack more things on every single space in your wagon. I, I definitely had lots of medicine and wood. I had a really big wagon. And then I decided to sell it for points when I got into town because someone was looking for a large wagon. Mm. So again, you, you do kind of, Aaron's not, you're not this kind of player at all about like making a bit of a story as you play the game. But it's certainly a game where you're all kind of having a different little story. The people you interact with, the choices that you make, the things that you're focused on. And I think that lends itself to more replay value. But let me get through the scoring at the end because there's more of it, right? Yeah. So you can score for your cards. You can score yeah. for your gold. Yes. You can score your favor. Yes. You have the points that you accumulated on the bison track throughout the whole thing. You have the negative well, not points. Not bison track, just a regular track, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a point track, yeah. yeah. You have the negative, negative points. points. If, you're, if your wagon's damaged, not only does it not hold as much, it also gives you two negative points at the end of the game. That's right. So we got through our game, and it was only like a four-point difference at the end. Aaron won. Yeah. But I felt very well acquitted. We had a skeleton crew. We didn't have a lot of extra resources. That is why they didn't happen to make it. I like to think that they just went to, they had to go to the county hospital and couldn't continue with me. I don't like to think oh, that they maybe literally did. died. No, I think we just didn't have the medicine. God. I think that we, I think they had to not keep traveling with us. Yeah. There I was, don't know if the rule book says that they literally died. There was Medicare in the pioneer days. They were at the downtown hospital. We had a really nice thing going on. Is what I'm saying. It was, it was fine. We had exactly enough. We take and take care of our people. So I think that's kind of the summary of the game. We're going to talk a little bit about different rules, different, mechanisms mechanics however you want to approach that word there's dice drafting yeah there's when those cards come out every round there's five different groups of these villagers townspeople in the game you pick two of those groups shuffle them together and that is the total of the townspeople that will appear yeah i didn't like the two that we had really oh i thought they were fine I just know from playing other times, I like the other groups better. We had one that was very gambly, very gambly group where you're rolling a dice. Oh, yeah. Only there were a lot once. of the gambly groups. I know, because I think that's the way those card sets are. Um, and then the other one was sort of like, it was a different kind of gambling where it was like, if you take this action, then you put a token onto this card. And if there's exactly two tokens, then you get the tokens on the card. And that, they're, it's not bad, but it there's more... I like some of the other ones that are a little more straightforward more than those. But in any case, you put out six every week. Mm -hmm. There's six faces that correspond to the dice. The dice don't have numbers on them. They each have a face. It's yeah, kind of, yeah. it'd be six to one, really, which which way it had it. But it has a joker face that lets you take a wild, like a jester. That lets you pick any of the other actions. There's a pickaxe, which lets you go into the gold bag, take one out of the gold bag. There's equipment, which lets you take from the equipment pile. There's always, at the start of every week, 
there's the Three number of equipment. Well, it's the Try number of players, players plus, one. plus one equipment, and then that's it. It doesn't get refilled. Same thing with the townspeople. When someone takes one, it doesn't get refilled. It, for the for the week. So for the week. Yeah. there's yeah. four weeks. Yeah. So you get through all of the townspeople cards, but you do not go through all the equipment at all. No. Uh, there's a big pile of that. There's wood. You can gain wood for your wagon. You can gain medicine. And then you can also get cattle. Those yeah. are all the die faces. When you take a die, you can either take money. Those one, two, three, four, five, six yep. in, uh, for each silver. one of the different. Which is different silver. than gold. That's true. The gold is like gold nuggets on like these little token car on these little tokens. Some real 49ers going on in here. And the silver is like a dollar, basically like a dollar coin. So, yes, you can take money. You can take the picture represented on the die, which is like take a cattle, take wood. Or you can take the townsperson that is under that same spot on the board because it's only going to be one in each spot. But you can only use it for one of those things, which I think is a yes. really fun idea. You're drafting a die. You only get one of the actions. And you can pay to change the face of your die. You can pay three to change the face of your die. So there is, even though you're rolling, there is mitigation. But once you spend that money, that means you're less able to get a wagon. You're less able to cover a famine if you have a lot of cattle and that track is moving up. So that was more often, for me, the decision was like, eh, I need this dice face to get this thing done. But then am I putting my cattle at risk by not just kind of taking what the dice have given me so when you manipulate, when you do that dice manipulation, you're then putting yourself more at risk. That's another place in this game where I feel like everything balances itself out pretty well. Like if you go too far on one side, the scales do shift no, about yeah, what you're it's getting. It's pretty punishing if you ignore the disasters. You shouldn't do that. Now, if you don't have any money, the raid doesn't matter. You can you can mitigate the disasters. There's a equipment that gets you three money. It's a gun that gets you three money every time a raid happens. So we had one raid where I lost one coin because you have to round up and I only had I one. Or you had one. So you rounded up. At that point, yeah. I had, had one. But you so got you three round after up. The, because and then the I got three from the raid. So I made two in the raid because I had a gun, which is saying some things about society that I think aren't even inaccurate. Yeah. And I think the if you're low on cattle, the famine doesn't hurt you as badly. Right. Because it's very um, easy to just pay one coin for the one cattle you have. If you have like eight cattle for some reason, then you have to decide, well, how much of my money do I want to keep and how much of my cattle do I want to lose? And, and how many of these turns do I want to spend accumulating cash when I could be accumulating other benefits? Something else. And so I think what I like about this, and it is something that I play with my sister who likes games, but is not like us about it. I think what she means is not like me. No, oh, I'm buying a, I'm buying and playing a lot of games well, fair, around here. Fair enough. I thought you meant just in like the, the... No, no, no. I will say that we had like a fun, casual time. And I think that is something that is available for this game. You have a fun, casual time. If no one's taking it too seriously, you're you're probably not getting that high of points. Because this All is... Right. We've had this since before I was tracking plays in board game geeks. Right. So I don't even know how many points we scored in the first games. You're probably not having as many points, but you can have a very nice time talking about that journey that you're doing and talking about how this person keeps making these raids happen because they're never taking this red die. Like, I think that's a fun bit. And because it's well balanced and you do have all these different competing, all these different competing things for your attention and that idea of how am I uh, balancing the scales when I go really hard into one thing, how is it tipping the scales in the other direction? 
I think it serves as a very good example of other games that maybe aren't as refined and gives you a way to understand how all of these different things impact one another. I think one of the things that is difficult for me in certain other games that you're usually very good at is I might be like, oh, I'm going to take this. And I don't realize that in taking this, I'm now less able to do that. Yeah, and I think there's a, a definite component of opportunity cost throughout this game but you it's a little yeah. more intuitive for you you're making the associations for maybe it's the story it's i think it's both the story and the fact that it is it's also very clear it's not like obfuscated it's not obstructed by all of these little tiny different rules that are keeping you from the clarity of when you spend if you're out of money and the famine happens you will lose your cattle they shall perish. There's no like, there's, I think or other go games. go to the county hospital where they'll be fed nicely. Yeah, like maybe they just go to the vet, like the frontier vet. I don't know. So yeah, I think that's, an, I think it's very clear in this game. And it, if you really understand it here, you'll start to see that same pattern in other games because very, as many games as they're out there to play, when you break them all down, and I think that's why people, once they start playing games, can play so many somewhat easily when you break them all down there's a lot of core components that are essential to making a game work and having that kind of balance between well when i when i take this i'm giving this up and i'm getting this benefit yeah i think that was really well done in this game and i will say the one little funny rule that i really like but it's important to understand well is that when you take a die your equipment can have a triggering effect when you take a die and it gives you some bonus. Mm -hmm. You take the die, you can do that trigger. After, after you do that trigger, you can then pay three to change the die to any face because maybe the trigger is no longer what you want to do or never was what you wanted to do. Right. So it allows you, like you might be able to take uh, the pickaxe, get a cattle, change it to a cattle, get two cattle, and you need two cattle to do whatever right. other thing but i think it also presents you prevents you, you pay from, three like, to get two cattle because you could theoretically line up four pieces of equipment that all have the same trigger and it prevents that person from like running away yes you are making a very Aaron point about the fact that if you could change it it would it would make the luck even worse like there's more there that's true that's a good point it's not how i think and you're correct if everyone lined that up and then you could also manipulate it to hit it constantly Ugh. And I don't even know that that's not something that we haven't done mistakenly in the past. I think that over time we've gotten better at rule books and really seeing when they've made like a key distinction about how they ought to work. So overall, our thoughts, usually our questions are, I'm going to go through them. Is it good? I think we're, yes, we're very clear that it is good. It'd be pretty funny if at this point we turned about, we're like, you know what? It's not that it's good. It's not that good. Um, what makes it unique, I think, is that clarity of the things that are in a lot more complicated games and giving you those decisions that are kind of complex and letting you see what you're getting and what you're giving up and is a trade worth it. And I think the ways in which you manipulate the dice are really well done. Too much dice manipulation makes it feel like it's worthless. Not enough makes it feel like you don't have control. Yeah. And I think this strikes a good balance. Is it easy to learn? I think yes, because the rule book is very clear. And I think you already have this image. It's pretty common to have an image of like, what a pioneer. Like you have a wagon, you yeah. have cattle for your wagon. There's good iconography. And then the written text on the cars is also very clear. And you don't need to consult the rule book. Yeah. Like we were playing Quacks yesterday. And there was a card that said basically only half of the rule. 
which invited me to play it wrong. Like it was, it, or no, no, it was the train. It was, I wanted to move. It was that mail game. And I wanted to move oh, from the, anywhere to a train station. USPS the card just said move American to a train station. Mail race. But the rule yes. is move from, from a, train a train station, station to, to a train station. And they had more than enough space on that card to say that. Pioneer Days has all the text you need on the yeah. card. Which also, that does mean a little bit of accessibility. It is tiny. Yeah. It yeah, is tiny. Fair. So if that's, if that's a thing, a lot of the iconography is very big and easy to see. But you might want to have a little magnifier for that. Because some of those cards, and especially in that one set that we were using... It is full, like, six yeah. pixel font yeah. or yeah. something. Like, the same kind of height as it would be in print. Yeah, it's uh, very full and very tiny. And then, the last question is, how do you feel while playing? Oh. Do you feel like a pioneer? I, I, now, you know I don't feel like a pioneer, but okay, I do well, feel could. engaged in a resource management challenge. Oh, I now I feel a little more like a pioneer. It feels like, I think, knowing that there's going to be uh, disasters... But it being very clear about what you will need to do to avoid them feels, I think that is kind of the hook for me in this game. It's not like you don't know when they're going to happen at all. Like you see the trackers moving. And when we're playing, I'm kind of, I'll talk out loud like, well, if I take this, this will definitely happen. If I take this, either this or this might happen. Because it trades off whether you go first or second in a round. Right. So whoever goes last in a round gets less choice. But then but they, they get to decide. The that goes. This, you're right exactly which of the trackers goes up and i think that's another really good balancing effect so i'd say it's a balanced experience and we would definitely recommend the game i I'd recommend it to if it's within most. your means pay the 70 bucks get that thing on ebay pay the 70 i wonder i don't know that you can play it online anywhere and i don't know if that's somewhat common because tasty tasty minstrel is out of business like maybe it's a little harder to get the online stuff get it on board game arena it would be a perfectly good board game arena game oh it'd be, it'd be lovely yeah yeah so you definitely recommend it and maybe it's one where it might be hard to find but this is something that if you go to a convention or if you meet up with someone else and they have like a board game collection certainly one that you should give it a try to play even if you can't quite swing seven because seventy dollars for things that are imprint and popular you can get like two or three games that are as good probably for the price of the one so i still say before for an expensive games try them before you buy them because as much as we've liked it you might yeah. be like I, I hate these disasters i don't want to be in the old west i i don't like any of this it's it's worth it but it might cost more than the mixer that i lamented not having had from my 10 year old days you know i'm pretty sure i'm gonna take that i don't know what i'm gonna do with that in this edit the mixer because it's not about the game is it it's a pioneer brand mixer what kind of mixer like food mixer no like a like a like a, a stereo like for a stereo pioneer music Oh, but that's not a. If it wasn't a mixer, it's just Pioneer Electronics. Well, it was. It was a mixer. Like it had a, a graphic equalizer and it had different volume knobs. Okay. Are we done? I think so. Thank you so much for listening to episode 105. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. But basically everything I just mentioned sort of has a TMG style temporary suspension. We heard that Squarespace bought Google Domains. 
like all of them. So we are moving our website yet again to avoid future hassles and making sure we get everything set back up correctly. So hopefully we'll be smooth sailing here on out. The next episode will probably be a board game review, but if it's not, it'll be our game of the month for June, 2023. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 104 more episodes headed your way. The next one being our board game of the month for May, 2023. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.